1: Welcome to the Fort
2: Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Study Group, Thursday Night Alcoholics and God Step Series. I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Ben, and, and let's have our joke. I'm going
3: to introduce Joseph, our jokester. Joey. How you guys doing? Joey slash Joseph, the jokester, here with another joke for you. Um, all right. The NSA walks into a bar. Hey, I've got a great new joke for you, the bartender says. The NSA smiles and says, heard it. Hey, they're always listening, folks. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. Uh, uh,
2: Thanks, Joey. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we're going to start our two-minute meditation, so please take a moment to get situated. Please turn off all devices that make noise that might or will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away. And ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? Uh, may all join us in the fog light prayer. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light so those who are lost, sick, and dying may find your love through me. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. That is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism, alcoholism. I have asked... Alex, to read, depends to spiritual experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is.
1: Alex, recovered alcoholic. Yes. Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that In order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God-consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety, because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could have hardly been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few moments or months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource which they can presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, Alcoholics Anonymous, pages 567 and 568.
2: Thank you, Alex. So uh, please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so set your phones to airplane mode or meeting mode or just turn it off. And help me to inter- uh, give the pleasure of introducing Doc on his ninth session tonight.
4: Thank you, Doc. Is that better? Doc, alcoholic. And I thank God they wrote everything down. right? And if they didn't write it down, it had been written before for them. Well, I usually stand, don't I? And that's why that was. But this—I'm going to try this. We did this last week, didn't we? I sat, and and, and I appreciate that. uh, It's—it's raining and it's dark and it's black here in Miami, and so now I'm starting to feel like like uh, Rick Sanchez. You know, my bones are scraping together. I feel old and cranky, so I need to sit. All right, tradition nine. How in the heck, i got to say, I love this, doing the traditions, because I learn so much more about the steps this way. And you say, well, really? 30 years and 20-plus of those you've been doing studies, how do you learn more? Every time, man. Every time there's something more to unpack. How do you take something that, that, that benefits so many millions of lives for so many years, and unpack it thoroughly in 40 minutes. You can't do it. And so just because I've done a lot of little 40-minute stints on each, each tradition or each step doesn't mean I unpacked very much at all, right? Um, I am blessed to be able to do the, uh, to do the meditation, a meditation experimentation demonstration meeting. Uh, on Wednesdays and so I'm unfettered by uh, what I'm what what text I'm using mostly the the 12 and 12 and some of the big book but I'm unfettered so I can spend as much time on one thing as I want like a big book study I like that because if you've attended a big book study with me sometimes I'll spend several meetings and get through a page and then we'll slingshot through a chapter you know, in a meeting and go, eh, well, you know, that's, that's not what's screaming today. So I try, to, I try, most importantly, to prepare myself to hear what God wants me to say. And in so doing, I end up learning so much. When I, uh, we're talking about the old Lambda in, in Miami. And uh, I think that might have been, it's the first time I can remember off, 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 uh, offhand uh, that I did a, a traditions meeting, and just like I have always done, when they ask you, "Can you do it?" You always, no matter what, answer, "Yeah, I've done it a lot." Right, right. When I was a, a teenager, and I was sleeping up at Drunken Donuts because that was my first real job. I think I was sixteen, and then they go, uh, "Do you think you could you could fry donuts?" Oh yeah right? Of course, I've done that before. (laughs) Really? It's your first job? Yeah, but you know, what is it? And so I ended up being a night, uh, a weekend night fry cook and and doubled my income right there. But I just found that, you know, whenever they ask you, you just say yes, right? That's probably a good lie. So they asked me, they go, uh, can you do a, a, a tradition meeting? Oh yeah, sure. I'm familiar with those, (laughs) and man, I had to get familiar. So I bring that up because um, I always wanted to do my studies as not just what it means to the group, but what it means to us personally, and that's what we've been doing. But when I first started doing it, there were some traditions i go, I have no idea how this tradition would apply to me personally, and this was one of the tough ones. But once it was broken open like a walnut, you know, once the shell was broken, there was some goodies inside, man. And now it's one of the easiest ones uh, to, to apply to my life. So let's take a look at it, shall we? Yes, let's. After you. No, you. AA, as such, ought never be organized. Okay, that's confusing right there. But there's our buddy, semicolon. But we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Semicolon, which means this should have been its own step, but you know we wanted to keep it at twelve or our, its own tradition. But you know we, everything's got to look symmetrical, so it needs to be twelve, twelve. Um, and I look and I go, okay, I don't even understand what this tradition means to the group. So there's only what three and a half pages? Yeah. Three and a half pages. One, two, three and a half. And, uh, and it explains, you know, that, that what it means to the group. We don't have a leader. We don't have a president. We don't have a vice president. Now, if you really want to understand this, read the concepts. And that'll tell you how everything works backstage. And that it's really how a true democracy works. And that democracy really is I know it's a, it's a word that freaks people out, but it really is a social democracy um, because it's all of us are at the top. You know, we are all the members of AA. We make all the decisions at this level. And it filters down through our GSRs and then to our local representatives and then to our state and then nationally. And then the decisions are made there. And it's all of us that run everything. But then from there, they go into an organization. that We're not organized. It's all of us runs everything, right? And that's what the concepts are about. And then it, it filters down. So, so really, the higher you go in AA, the lower you're going, right? If you're GSR, you didn't just take on a job that put you a level above all of us. You just put yourself a level under us right? You work for us now. You carry our message. And if you're voted to be a representative at the World Service Convention, again, you work for everybody else, for all those GSRs, right? You're there to vote for us, to take in all the information, to learn what's going on. You have to study all the things that are being discussed. You're there for us, man. You didn't work up the pyramid. You're working down the triangle. But when it gets to the home office, it it, it changes, it's an hourglass. So now there's a pyramid with a, with a point at the top. And that is the head of the person at the office, the person that runs the office stuff. And under them are some vice people that run stuff. And under them are some workers. And they report to the people above them, just like a regular corporation, right? But they're not AA. They are the business of world services, So to understand this as far as the group goes, look at the concepts. It'll really take you into it. And and I'll give you the easy concepts guide. Uh, Get the pamphlet. (laughs) It has pictures, and it boils it down to four or five sentences. And so it's just really easy. Just read the pamphlets. That's why they write them. Excuse me. They are basically coloring books. Ooh, that was good. What is that? It was... um... Ooh, Diane, Ooh, good. Um, but what does this have to do with me? How can I apply this to my daily life? Right? What does it mean? Well, I'm going to start at the end and move back and, and, and move forward. I was talking to a friend last night. He's a he's a he's a theater director, and he says, "You know, we got a new wave of performers that are out now, and they're all like." Street performers, you know, every magician, every mind reader, every variety act has got to be like, hey, let me surprise you with crazy crap, right? Instead of theater. And it's really weird. And uh, he says, they, they present everything like a long story before you get to the story. And then that's long until you get to the trick. And he goes, really, really What? start with the trick right? Start with the story. Where does the story begin? As soon as you start, right? That's a don't. And, and I said, you know, for years I presented teaching things, and this is sort of teaching, like it was a joke. And I had to hold back that we're going to be talking about ego. I had, to, I had to build up to it, set up like a comedian, set it up and then go, and that's ego, right? And that, that's not a good way to teach. So we're going to do the right thing. We're going to start at the end, Right, we're going to tell you what this is all about, and then we'll go back and see why. Right, so if you look on page one seventy five of the twelve and twelve, right, it says uh, AA has to function. That's the last paragraph. Right, so when it says AA, it's talking about the members of AA also. By the way, in this chapter, it says each individual member, so it's talking about us too. But but as we read it, we're, we substitute AA or the group as individually you have to function right you have to function and then we look up uh midway in the paragraph above it it says you know you have to do chores if nobody does the group's chores you have to do chores right in real life you're recovering you're recovered but you're in recovery you're a verb not a not a noun right you're serving you're doing all the things you're going to meetings. You're going to meetings, you're reading your big book, you're, you're, you're calling your sponsor, meeting with them, right? You're uh, um, reaching out and helping another person, right? Usually an alcoholic. And you're praying and meditating. And you're doing at least those five things for the rest of your life every day, hopefully. right? So you're busy. You're busy. But, but you know, we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to do chores to live, right? you got to go to work, unless you're independently wealthy, very few of us. That I know are, and the reason is is because if you're independently wealthy, why the hell do you need to get sober? Just keep keep getting drunk till you die, man. What do what do you got to lose, right? Burn it up, man. Do it, right? I mean, you know, unless you're miserable, and then you might want to like separate from the money somehow because that always gets us like a hook, right? Because we're going to read about that. But you got to do. You got to go to work. You got to do personal things too. Well, I need to be selfless. No, man, if you're selfless, you're not going to serve anybody, right? No, we have to be right-sized. Unselfishness is thinking of the other person, right? It's one of the absolutes. Unselfishness, how will the other person act? Not, you know, how can I erase myself, right? Now, my import needs to be lower. I need to lessen so he can increase. That's a you know, well-known, understood formula, But I heard a guru say once, and this is beautiful, they asked him, how can I eliminate self? And he laughed, he goes, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to eliminate you? No, 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 he goes, lean into it, be greedy. And of course, everyone in the room laughed. And he goes, be greedy with your greed, right? He says, here's how it is. You start out as yourself, as an adult, and you go, well, I I want that. And I want this. I want, as the book lays out for us, most 12 and 12 and big books, is we want security, right? Financial security, material security. And we want emotional security, love, right? And, and, and friendship. So we want security. We want to avoid pain, and we want security, right? So that may come in our mind as money, you know. I don't want a lot. ask anybody. Oh, I don't need to be rich. I just need enough. What, what does that mean? It's never enough for us right so so anyway we get this weird nebulous definition of what we want and everything and the guru says but then you fall in love and say you get married and now your partner you want the same for them and then maybe you have kids and now you have a family of four or five and you want your your greed increases because you want that same stuff for them and then you realize, well, yeah, and, and of course your partner has family. And then as you get older, maybe your kids get married, your family increases. And that greed is like, he goes, why don't you just start off with more greed than that? Why don't you be so greedy for this security, emotional and financial security, that you want it for everybody, right? Why don't you just be greedy to the maximum? I, am, I want So much good for every living being, right? And they all went, Oh, oh, I get it. Okay. So, so you you've got to you still gotta do chores, right? You gotta go to work. You gotta as I, I used to say, you know, the same three things I would tell my child when she was little are the same things I need to do every day. I gotta I gotta make my bed, which is do chores, right? Go to work mow the lawn, do the laundry, you know, cook dinner, wash plates, whatever it is. I gotta do my chores. Um, and whatever jobs my, my work entails, right? I gotta go do this and do that. I gotta I gotta make my bed. I gotta say my prayers. That's all the spiritual stuff I need to do, right? I need to take care of me spiritually. I need to have what the the eleventh the step talks about the air, light, and food for my soul right, 11th step in the 12 and 12, and need to serve others, right, and I need to uh, brush my teeth, right, I need to take care of myself physically, I need to eat right, I need to wash, bathe, hygienically, mentally I need to take care of myself, right, so education, all that stuff, so basically they fall into those three categories, make your bed, say your prayers, brush your teeth. If you do those things and everything under those categories, you'll be fine, right? But they have nothing really, I guess, I guess the spiritual part does have something to do with AA. But basically all humans should follow that, right? So, so we're reading here, you, j- just as the aim of each AA member is personal sobriety, this is the aim of our services or the aim of your service to God and others, Right? is to bring sobriety within reach of all who want it. That's why God saved your life, saved my life. That's why he called us and chose us both, right? If nobody does the group's chores, right? If you don't do your chores, and then it lists some chores, which could easily fit into what I just said. You got to do daily stuff. You still have to do, you have to follow the law of the land, you know? You got to drive correctly in the right lane, right? You have to pay taxes. You do, you pay for food and stuff at the store. You don't just steal it, right? You, you, it says if nobody does the group's chores, if the area f- telephone rings unanswered, if we do not reply to our mail, then AA as we know it would stop. If you don't do your chores, your life as you know it is going to stop, right? Something's going to happen. You don't follow the law. If you don't, Eat every day, right you just you have to be a human being, and if you don 't conform to basic societal norms you 're not going to function as a recovered alcoholic who helps others who who is, is, is your aim is to bring sobriety within the reach of all who want it right and this is the last paragraph, so you have to function, but at the same time you must avoid dangers of what? Great wealth, prestige, and entrenched power, which necessarily tempt other societies or other peoples, right? There's, there's, there's our landmines for feeding that giant ego that Tybout Ty wrote about, And and, uh, look that up, uh, Dr. Taibout, and he wrote. uh, uh, Let me get the title exactly right. He wrote the title of his paper is "The Ego Factors in Surrender in Alcoholism." That the only way that we kill this overinflated ego of alcoholics is to surrender, right? And it's that thing that makes us do crazy stuff because it thinks it's protecting us, right? And we talked about that driving up. And that thing will grab these three, great wealth, prestige, and entrenched power, and it'll tell you, you're king, man. Go ahead and drink. King for a day, baby. Don't worry about it. I got you. I'm that big ego. In fact, who's been looking after you this whole time? Me. not your sponsor. Not them. Me. Who has protected you your whole life? Me. Who is always right? Me, the big ego. And, and it's defined in that, in case you don't know, um, by three things. Immaturity. Immaturity is that giant ego, which we call ego because it's a Spanish pronunciation because it's capital E. That way we don't confuse it with the psychological ego. It's the ego. And ego is, believes it's always right because it's, it's omnipotent. It's either king and possibly God. And it thinks it is. And it tells you i know everything's right and it takes everything personally the second it it, it doesn't deal with anger well frustration cannot handle frustration right i was saying that damn it i've been waiting here 20 minutes no sir it's been five no 20 sir i looked at the when you came in to make sure okay eight then (laughs) no sir i mean 18 no five all right whatever Right? I mean, that's it. And, and, and the third one that makes this, this ego is uh, it lives on a, a childlike timescale, which is super fast. I need to go now. I need to run into life. I can't walk. I can't trudge, which is to walk with purpose. I can't trudge the path. I need to run. I need all of it now, right? And that is the same guy that turns around and kills us, that ego, same one that turns around and goes, "Hey, drink today." And tomorrow we'll start over and do it better than we did it the first time. You can have a new sobriety, pristine, clean, brand new showroom floor sobriety. Let's just go drink today, king for a day. right? So you, gotta, you, you have to separate from that. And that surrender, and one of the practices is meditation with that. Okay, so, so by, I bring that up because that's where great wealth, prestige, and entrenched power start tempting us is through this inflated ego, the ego. Um, though tradition nine at first sight seems to deal with a purely practical matter, right? AA as such should never be organized, but we can form committees directly responsible to those they serve, right? Which means we don't have a leader, but we can make little committees with chairpeople people and assistant chair people, and treasurers, and all that stuff, we can have little organizations that work within this big group that is not an organization, right? Which is kind of contradictory, but, but it works. But it says at first sight it seems to deal with a purely practical matter. However, in its actual operation, it, it discloses a society without organization animated, right, brought to life only by the spirit of service, a true fellowship. So what does this mean? This means that nobody, it says here clearly, nobody in AA can tell you what to do. Nobody can tell you what not to do. And nobody can punish you for doing or not doing what they say. All right? And we know that. We kind of almost intuitively know that in 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 AA, right? You, you kind of know. Now, that's not to say a private club, private property can't say our club, which is not AA, right? The AA meets in the club, but the club is an, an outside entity that the club can say, "Okay, um we can only have 50 people in here." Right? And you're 51, you have to wait. No, there are no rules as AA it's not that there are no rules. There are rules. But what this chapter says is there are rules in AA. And you have to follow them. But nobody in AA can make you do that. Right? One of the rules is you can't drink. Right? It doesn't mean you won't be a member of AA because there's no punishment. But a rule is, if you're going to be sober, you can't get loaded. That just goes without saying, right? If you're going to be sober, definition means is that you haven't been loaded. Okay? But nobody can tell you you can't drink. Those words, most popular book ever written on how not to drink, that never says don't drink anywhere in here or can't drink. It doesn't say that, right? Because, see, we follow rules Because the punishment is automatically woven into it, which is death. If we don't follow certain rules, which it says in the doctor's opinion, following certain after a while, once that psychic change begins, all you have to do is follow a few simple rules. But nobody in AA can tell me to do it. You can tell me, dude, if you don't follow these rules, you're going to die. But you're you're not the game master. So nobody in AA can do that. Nor can anybody say, you know what? This guy, let me pull you up in front of everybody here. This guy hasn't called another alcoholic, including his sponsor, for 30 days. What are we going to do with him? Right? Other clubs can do that. <laughs> Other clubs can go, you know. He signed up to be on the, the bake, baking committee for the bake sale for our group. And never showed. What are we going to do to him? Right? But they can't do that here. We cannot be punished by another AA. So now, apply that to your life. What does that mean? It means if you're following a spiritual life, if your life is animated only by the spirit of service, That means you work for everybody, right? You're a servant. If you serve, you're a servant. And if you're a servant, you don't tell people what to do. I can't help it. Well, I don't. I think the first thought is, I never do that. Sit down. I never do that, right? I never do that. I told you not to call me, right? I never do that, right? Except to my girlfriend, to my kids, to my coworkers to my sponsees, to my, oh, 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 driving. Get out of the way, you imbecile, right? What are you doing? Oh, my God. Right? I tell everybody how to drive, and they can't even hear me. I'm the only one that can hear me in the car screaming. I don't do that anymore, right? Because I'm not driving a car right now. (laughs) So I can't. I leave it to other people. And then, then they're embarrassed because they're driving me, so they're like, oh, shit, I can't do any of this. Cause, you know, Doc's in the car. I'm going to look like a dick if I start screaming at traffic. So this would be cool. Right? And it's great, and it is right. It is right. That's what happens. Because that's what happened to me, right? When I drove my sponsor and grand sponsor around, I'd have to, oh, my best behavior, baby, right? Well, that's how we need to be every day. I don't have the right to tell anybody what to do. I don't have a right to impose rules on anybody, right? I have rules for myself, though, that I follow. I'm allowed to impose rules on myself. Well, you go, yeah, but what about, you know, you can't be a doormat. What about people using you? What about like assault, you know? Oh, Okay, first of all, if those are your thoughts, why are you trying to break this tradition, looking for a loophole to break the tradition? Use some common sense. Those are your committees, right? You're allowed to go, okay, the rule of common decency is this, right? But i am if you come to assault me and I have nothing to say about it, well, that's wrong. But that's still not me trying to control you, right? I can say, I can say, don't hit me if you come to hit me. But if you hit me, you hit me, right? I don't, I, I'm not going to punish you. I, I don't hit back. Really? Now, I, I, I say that meaning the tradition's trying to teach me as an individual not to hit back, right? Not to punish, right? Not to resent, okay? It doesn't mean I can do it. It doesn't mean I can do it. I pray to God that he puts that spirit of sunshine in me that means I can literally take a second hit. And I've said it many, many times. Think back to the toughest characters you've ever seen in movies. Those are the guys that take a punch, not the guys that punch back. The guys that go, you know, in my day, it was like Clint Eastwood. You punch him in the face, and then he goes, and then maybe they punch him a second time. But usually, it's just like if anybody hit you once, and you just spit. And if they hit you a second time, and you still take it, a good line is, uh, well, it's maybe not a good line, but I like it. Who taught you to hit your husband? Because <laughs> usually, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a weird homophobic guy going to hit you anyway, right? So so you play on his on his hatred. Um, but if you can take, that's life in general. If life, if somebody steals your cell phone, right? Right from under you, right? If that happens, we've already given our will to God, right? And we can stand back and go, okay, I was loaning him his phone, loaning this guy my phone because I'm in the spirit of service, and I got screwed. Well, yeah, but I trust God. I don't know why that happens or what's leading after it. Your house burns down. right? I trust that God's got me because I know he does. And the only way I get to get to higher levels is when the ceiling opens up and I can move up. And the ceiling opens up. It doesn't just open up like a a swirling portal. It breaks and crumbles and falls on me. There's suffering. And then I go, oh, shake it off and go on to better things, right? See, I'm not allowed to make rules for you. I'm allowed to have committees which go, okay, um, I don't want to get into, there are great parables about this. But then I get into it. Last week, we did enough Bible talk for, for a year. <laughs> but, but there are great parables about that. When they go, when, when they go pay taxes. And, and, and these Roman soldiers come up, and Jesus and Peter are hanging out, right? Enjoying the sunshine. And they go, hey, you haven't paid your taxes. You need to pay. Which was a really arbitrary amount of money, which meant if we stop you and ask you for money, you give it to us, right? And, and, and Jesus tells Peter, okay, pay him. And Peter goes, well, I don't have any money. And Jesus goes, well, dude, either you trust God or you don't. And Peter's like, well, I still don't have any money. I don't don't know what that means. And then the story is, he goes, well, you're a fisherman, go do what you do. And so he, he just went to the nearest water, threw in a line, pulled out a fish, and there's a gold coin in the fish's mouth. Now, we can say, okay, that didn't really happen, it's just a metaphor. doesn't matter if it happened or not. The point is, he went all right i'll do what i do i'll put the next foot in front and watch god provide for me or not right and then he gave the gold coin to the roman soldiers and they go okay you're both paid up see ya. right it's awesome well that's what they're saying i don't have rules for you i have rules for myself it says we are honest gosh i hate it when people go when they out people or they say cruel things and they say but this is a rigorous program no for you it's a rigorous a program of rigorous honesty i'm sorry This is a program of rigorous rigorous honesty. For you, it's rigorous honesty, not for others. You know, it, it says we are honest with ourselves always and with others when it would benefit them. Sometimes we are silent, you know. Your partner goes, hey, I just bought these jeans. Does it make my butt look too big? Do not answer, right? Any answer is wrong. And you say, I'm, I need a snack, right? It's, it's Right? I mean, you don't go, oh, it's rigorous honesty. I have to say, yes. In fact, all pants. It's not the pants. You just have a really big ass, right? And I have to tell you because, you know, God demands that I have rigorous honesty. It's not what this program says. It says when it would benefit the other person, right? We keep stuff. It's anonymous, man. What's the other thing? This is a lot about, well, yeah, but I have to control people. Why? Because there's a word that counselors in in recovery, excuse me, I'll calm down. Mm. And the air condition came on right then. There's a word called uh, expectations. And I hear people for the last 10, 15 years, I've been taught I should have no expectations. Dude, I don't know how much money you're spending on that, but that's ridiculous, right? That's like, I need to eliminate self. No, you need to learn to be unselfish, right? I, need, I can't have expectations. Well, first, yes, yes, you can. You must. When you get in your car, you must have a healthy expectation that the traffic is going to stay on its side of the road. And in the United States, that would be to the right. So the oncoming traffic is to our left in the United States. And by the way, I had so much fun in Australia. And then I had to drive home in the middle of the night with my drunken buddy and these two screaming Australian women in a car where the steering wheel's on the wrong side of the car and the car is on the wrong side of the road. It was just awesome, right? So it doesn't apply for everybody, but that's an expectation, right? I expect. What does the expect mean? X Ex means to to take from, to come forth from something, right? We take some. There's an, a, also another meaning, which means uh, no longer, like ex-wife or ex-wives. Um, but this in this instance, it means to take from, right? And uh, expect. Is another word is specter, specter. Spec means to look, to look out. So it means to look for something, to wait and look out for something to come. So you expect a letter in the mail, right? There, there's a good example. But see, when they say expectations, they're actually kind of using it interchangeably with anticipation, right? I expect, my expectation of you is to be this person right? I expect you to sit quietly and listen to my problems every day, and then I expect you to shut up when I'm watching, you know, whatever TV show I like, you know? It used to be Game of Thrones. So I don't think anybody's watched that in years now, right? Now there's too many to watch. Whatever I'm watching, right? Tiger King, yeah, Right? be quiet. But, but, but see, that's the, I, I put rules on people around me because I want to control them in order to have a happy life. And that's not what we do here. We are never organized, all right? In my life. My life is not organized. I am not the top of the pyramid and everybody else is below me, right? I, it's an inverted, I'm a service person, right? I'm at the bottom, I serve everybody. If, it, if life is like this, I'm not at the point. I'm down here to serve God and everyone else. I'm third. God first, others, and then me. That's the only, that's the, the only recipe for success in the big book. Is to, is, is the steps move us backward. We're, we're number one by the fifth step. We move. We're number two. We move God from the back to the front. It's God, me, and others by the twelfth step. The three parts of the twelfth step are God, others, and myself. Right? Spiritual awakening, carrying the message to others, living by these principles. Right? And that's what it is. So, so tradition nine is about me. Anticipation, by the way, means this is really fun. Anti means in front of, right? Anti in in Spanish, right? Before, in front of, and. Uh, uh, Spec, no, not spec, it means to grasp. So what it actually means, anticipation, to anticipate means to try to change something before it happens. Now, we don't use it that way. We use it interchangeably with expectation. You know, anticipation, right? That's the, the, the ketchup. And that's way too long ago. Right? Waiting for the ketchup to come out of the bottle and waiting for something good is anticipation. But we're t- but it's not anticipation. That's, you know how many times anticipation is in the big book in the 12 and 12 or anticipate or any form of the word? Zero. You know how many times expect or expectation is in the 12 and 12 in the big book? Zero. If it was important for us to go have no expectations, they would have put it in the books. And that's why I say, thank God they wrote it down because oral tradition will will water this stuff down till it's useless, right? I have expectations. I have personal expectations. I have expectations of God that are healthy. I expect um, God to be merciful because that's part of grace, right? I expect God to to empower me to stay sober and serve him because I've seen it happen with all of you and I've had 30 years of that working. So I absolutely expect it. I expect the lights to come on when I turn on the the switch, right? If it doesn't, something's wrong, right? If I'm not happy, joyous, and free, I'm doing something wrong, right? Now, there are always certain exceptions that I need to look at and that's what personally my own little committees would be. But I'm not going to do them alone. It, you know, rarely it doesn't say, it says we create service boards. So, what would a personal service board be? I'll tell you a real simple one it would be me at the lowest as the servant, my sponsor as the president, and God as the CEO, right? As the chair. Right, So now, if I need to do something, okay, I need to do my chores. And part of my chores is, should I move to this city or should I stay where I am? Should I take this job or stay with that job? I don't know, right? But I've given my will to God. And I'm unorganized, so it doesn't mean I'm not going to make decisions. Yeah, I will. I have rules to follow, my own rules, right? I get up in the morning, I say my prayers, I meditate. you know, I brush my teeth, I make my bed, I do my chores, right? So it's not that I'm disobedient. We are very obedient. We're undisciplined, but we're obedient, right? So I need to have a little committee because nobody's in charge uh, of, I am not in charge of any of your lives, right? And I'm not in charge of my own life. Well, how can you say that? Because it's step one, two, and three. I truly believe the road to success is that I completely give my life to the care of a power greater than myself. I give my will and my life to the care of a power greater than myself. How do I know what he wants me to do? To step 11, to consistent, constant, growing and developing of a channel that is unchoked, is the word it uses in the 12 and 12. Unchoked by anger and and or, or these things, unchoked by great wealth. Well, the big book did not Twelve and twelve isn't saying to be poor. No, it's saying that just like AA, when I start getting big wealth, I should probably start applying it to places that it could do better work than sitting in my bank account. Oh, I'm not doing that. Trust God. Go to a committee. Talk to your sponsor and both of you pray about it and see what the committee decides about how to deal with your finances, keeping in mind that great wealth is something that, may, that tempts other people, tempts them to decide that they're the boss and that they set the rules for themselves and for everybody else. Now, I, I have guidelines. We've talked about ancient guidelines of chivalry right? And, and the, four, the four absolutes are guidelines for living. Is it true, right? Or is it false? I need to look. Is it the right thing to do or not? Purity. Purity. Is it right or is it wrong? That's a good thing for me. But again, I can't come up and say, dude, that's wrong. Do it again and I'll punish you. I, I often thought when I started getting older, how are my parents going to enforce any rules they make? You know, I shot up, I'm six five now. I shot up to six foot pretty quickly. I was skinny, but I was tall, and I thought by fourteen I thought I'm not I'm not following any rules anymore at all. This is done. You know, so what can they do? It becomes punishment at that point, right? The only way before I used to just do what my parents said because they're they are the authoritarians. But I reached a point where I said no. And my dad Who's a, who is an outstanding, wonderful human being uh, today. And he has changed a lot. And the stories I say are about a man that doesn't exist anymore, right? Because he was growing as I have, am growing. I'm not the kid either. And we were playing cards and I played something and he, he said it was stupid. You know, something like, he called me stupid or something. And you know, he, he, he was just being he was just being an aggressive dad with a teenager. And we played, and he goes, that is the stupidest play I've ever seen. And it, it just flipped my switch, man. And I threw the cards down, and I stood up, and I said, stand up, old man. Now, my dad's only 24 years older than I am, so that made him 38. <laughs> a professional football player and and coach, right? An athlete. And I'm a 14-year-old skinny kid. And I told him, stand up, old man. And he goes, okay. And uh, I said, he says, so you finally want to take a shot? And I said, yeah. And we stood out. I remember it clearly where we were. There was like a living room. The kitchen was this way. And we were right in between. And he goes, take your best. And I thought, for some reason, I thought he didn't know about, like, the solar plexus. I thought like that was a secret that I knew that he wouldn't know. Now he's been hit. He was a boxer. He was played football his whole life. He's been hit in the solar plexus so many times. And the dude was at that point, he was just he looks like Mr. Clean even today. He's a big, you know, white blonde eyebrowed muscular dude, you know, with Jesus abs. And I go, all right, old man, 38. (laughs) And I left the ground when I hit him right here as hard as I could. And I don't think he moved his feet, right? I think he went, and then he goes, my turn. (laughs) And I did move my feet. I, it was like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. My bat—he hit me in the gut, and my back slammed against the refrigerator, and then I slid down it, right, like Wiley e. Coyote, and I couldn't breathe. I was, and he's going, "Are we good?" And and that was the end of my challenging authority, right. And, and, and to end this little story, he used to tell his friends he, all the time, he goes, you know, that was the moment I realized my son was transforming from boy to man and that he was willing to stand up for stuff. And even though it was you know, misdirected, and, and he, but he, he had courage suddenly against an authority that had been you know, keeping him as a child. And, uh, and that's really great insight. Now, I tell you all that story because if you think about it, if you want to be the boss of people, they don't have to do what you want them to do. And the only recourse you have is some sort of punishment. So when it talks about here that we don't have the right to dictate anything to a member... Nor to punish them; those two things are almost inseparable. I cannot dictate what you must do without being willing to punish you if you don't. And and just just on an intuitive level, just a, just a common sense level, is that what 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 Chapter Six says? Is that what Step Six says that we're we're now entitled? To be called a man or woman who is sincerely growing in the image and likeness of his own creator? No. I'm not a punisher. Dude, I've been punished. Alcohol and all its gang of friends that it used to bring to my house beat my ass into submission, man. It destroyed my my financial security and all my emotional security. You know, I came in here brokenhearted and alone, not trying to get my girlfriend happy, trying to get her back. It was my life was just shambles, just dust, burning rubble, and I didn't have anything to lose, and it was still that bad. You know, so I can't run my own life. I'm as powerless today as I was the day I came in. I am powerless. I'm a servant. I'm empowered because I serve this higher power. I serve in my heart I believe to be the highest power. And that that power through this book, both of these books, all four of them, William James and 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 also the book of James, right? All of them teach me that that the way that I serve this highest power is to serve all of the humans around me. And most closely the humans are alcoholics and for me we were talking about that in the car when when i help alcoholics when i put that hand of aa out when i do a 12-step call which is what we talked about last week which is to tell them about a b and c three propositions when i do that if i if, if they're helped by that i'm usually dragging them and all their buddies along which is drug addiction mental illness homelessness, you know, bad behavior, you know, just a wreck of, of a spiritual life. All that kind of just follows them as, as luggage, dark luggage, right? And I just have my one purpose, which it says in, in Tradition 9, to live, to be animated by the spirit of serving God and serving others. It's a beautiful, beautiful tradition now that I know to read that last paragraph First, and I hope to see you next week when we do the very popular Tradition 10 for today because there are so many things to have opinions on, and we'll talk about that next week. Until then, Doc Alcoholic. Thank
2: you. Uh, thank you, Doc, so much. Again, thank you. Let's thank Doc one more time for speaking. Thank you. And allow me to introduce uh, Joey, our secretary
3: covered alcoholic secretary oh here we go sorry here we are secretary's report that's me i'm joey and um, in keeping with the seventh tradition which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions um, baskets aren't going around obviously uh, but as we say each week if you could please give to your inner group um, locally if you would like to help support AA as a whole um, buy a book uh it's all good and goes to helping other alcoholics um so uh, tonight i've asked mark to read the recovered statement we usually talk say the word recovered alcoholic people are like what's that mean you know um and i'm gonna have mark tell you about it because it's a real thing it's in the book here's mark it is mark
1: i'm a recovered alcoholic hi mark See, someone didn't do their due diligence and put the uh, pager, but I got it. So, recovered. We are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cure. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now saying where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. Right
3: Thank you, Mark. Um, all right. So, 1940s-style Big Boots sponsorship. From forward to second edition, edition Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75% success rate. All right, so now I'm going to ask for a show of hands of recovered alcoholics out there in Zoom world, in here. Beautiful. Um, if anyone needs a sponsor, anyone you saw your hands up in the Zoom, uh, get with them, send a message, hey, what's up, how we doing? Or it should be the recovered alcoholics um, obligation to reach out, um, if to just make it known. Um, if you do need a sponsor, hopefully someone will reach out to you because um, it helps them more than you you will come to believe. Um, all right, guys. Um, any AA announcements? No, no, no. A is good. It's always good because we're here and it's. God, all right. <laughs> Sorry. Um, God is good. Amen. All the time. All the time. Anyone standing, celebrating a year or more? God bless you. Um, ask you to announce your names. Yeah, we're just, you know, if you did and you're doing that, I'm really proud of you. It's good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh, yeah. Um, also, on Mondays, uh, we have a great uh, big book study in here in the Zoom. Uh, fellowship starts at 645. We have Doc. We have Mike Chase. We have Bill. We, old Bill, excuse me. <laughs> old but great Bill. He's good great. Bill. And Shay will be there, too. Yeah. So we're looking forward He'll be in the background just being great. And, um, no, it's a good time. Um, Wednesday's a meditation. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, Doc. Wednesday. I actually went to it the first time. It's phenomenal. Um, Doc uh, leads a meditation um, message, a little message. Last week it was on Grace. It was lovely. And then followed by a, a guided meditation by Doc. It's really nice. And it's at Little River. Little River,
4: 830,
3: Wednesday. In Zoom. In Zoom, Yes. Um, So please look forward to seeing you there in the Zoom or in person. You'll get to meet the secretary. Anyway. All right. Um, Thank you, guys. Uh, We do have CDs, mugs, large print big books, little red books, dictionaries for sale. Again, we meet every Thursday, um, 645, if you want to do some fellowship in the Zoom. And we ask that you be courteous and, and be ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you. See you next week.
4: Thanks, Joey.
3: Show uh, me
2: the Thank you very much, Joey. Again, I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday night Big Book study with Mike Chase, Doc, and Old Bill. And uh, let's thank uh, Doc one more time for his wonderful message. And let us close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. Give us this day our daily strength and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And uh, see you all Monday or next Thursday. Got to be it.
5: Body's heavy, soul is thirsty, body's aching. I am desperately in need of restoration. Yeah. And I
6: Uh-huh. Fear has left me and I'm standing tall A pile of bricks now lies where once there stood a wall that I hid behind and For all this time things are right oh man going on 10 years old that song is god bless I love you Mike Chase bye
7: I think you know this one don't you